Now, the Bible tells us that we should praise continually. And I'll show you a scripture on that here in just a few minutes. But it's also like when the Bible tells us that we should pray without ceasing. How, how do we do that? How do, you, how do you pray continually? How do you praise, pray without ceasing and pray continually? I mean, you, you don't, there's no way you can sit at work and go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and, and, and be effective at work or in your life. There's no way you're praying nonstop while you're working and doing the things that you're doing. So how do you do that? It's more about a spirit of prayer. It's more about the attitude of prayer. It's constantly and consistently seeing our Lord in all things and praising him and fellowshipping with him in that. For example, how many of you have noticed the colors of the, of the uh, fall this year by any chance? Have you seen them? Okay, they're just they're, they're beautiful. I mean, people travel to the mountains to see it. And I don't have to, we, Tammy and I took a trip to uh, Danville recently to, to see the color. And then, quite frankly, it wasn't all that impressive. And a little bit later, I was sitting out on my front porch, and it was just brilliant. And I was like, I didn't have to drive two hours. I just, just sat here on my front porch and seen this. But when I'm driving and I see that, or I'm sitting on my front porch and I see that, I see that, that the, the beauty of nature and what, what God has done. And, and I think lots of people see that. But what I see, I see the Creator. I see the God that created it. And every time I see something in nature like that, it takes my breath for a moment. I'm like, God, I have a relationship with the God who created that, who made all that beauty. And I have this intimate, personal relationship with him. I do that often, and I know that you do. That's an attitude of praise, of recognizing the God that created that and the relationship and what has been done for us so that we can have right relationship with him. It's an attitude of praise. Very similar, we, we, the last couple of times that we've been down to the beach, Tammy will tell you the sunsets have been unbelievable. Sun rises up on the ocean side and it sets over the waterway. And it's just, it's, it's been unbelievable. The, the sky has been pink, red, to the point that you almost just want to stop and look at it. And as a matter of fact, we did. We were riding down the road and it was like, we've got to pull over here and walk over and just look at this. And it was so breathtaking that many people were running over. There was a couple of people running over with cameras to take a picture of it. And once again, I stood there for a minute, and I did look at that, and I realized that the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and for a minute, I think, wow, look at that sky. But I have a relationship with the God who created it. And I praise him in my spirit there for a moment because of who he is, what he's done. That's, that's being in the spirit and the attitude of prayer continually. There's three Hebrew words throughout the, the Bible that, that mean praise. Uh, and one of them is yada. It's spelled Y-A-D-A-H. And it means to praise, to give thanks, or to confess. A second word that's often translated as praise in the Old Testament is zamar. Z-A-M-A-R. And it means to sing praise. And a third word translated praise is halal. H-A-L-A-L. It's the root of hallelujah. It means to praise, to honor, or to commend. All three terms contain the idea of giving thanks and honor to one who is worthy of praise. So praise is much more than what we do for 20 minutes on Sunday morning. Now, I love that. I love that collective praise. If you're like me, I come in, my week's been busy, I've got a lot on my mind, and that 20 minutes 
resets me. It prepares me to hear the word, and then it just resets me and recharges me to handle my, my week going forward. And I want to take a minute to brag on our praise team for a minute, Brother Matt. I know, I don't know if I don't see Sister Amber here, but we have a, we just have a, I have to echo what Brother Dan said, we have a first-class praise and worship team here. I've had a chance to do some traveling lately, and when we travel, we visit some other churches. I've been over to where Colin goes to church, Raleigh First Assembly, large church. And, and, and there's other churches with good praise teams, but, but some of those churches are much larger. And the quality we have here for the size church we have, God's blessed us. He really has. He's blessed us. Primarily for two reasons. One, the, the most important thing for people to lead us into praise and worship is they must first be worshipers. I see Brother Denny walked in. Uh, Sister Escamilla's here. So there's a lot of our, our team is here. And they have to be worshipers. They have to be seeking God first. It's going to be kind of hard for you to lead someone into worship when you don't first worship yourself. But there's second and very important is they've got to be gifted. I don't care. You might spend some time before the Lord, but if you can't sing, you can't sing. And if you can't play an instrument, you can't play an instrument. And the nice thing about our team is we have the talent, we have people who are God seekers, and you can tell it when it comes time for, for us to do praise and worship. You really can. And, and some of the churches have maybe more instruments. Now, when I was over in Raleigh at RFA, it's, uh, they, they, they have their church in a warehouse and I was telling Brother Matt, if it wasn't for the words on the screen, I couldn't understand what they were saying because it's, it's, it's loud, but it's, it, the, the acoustics are not that great. They bounce around a lot but, but with the words on the screen. But I thank God for what he's blessed us here within our church. And that's a very important part of, of praise is collective praise. But it is so much more than that. And as that is what was on my mind as I began to think about what I would teach about tonight. And I started looking around and I had a... I had several scriptures out of the Bible in my mind on praise. And I was thinking about those scriptures, and I had a few stories in particular that I want. And I just, I was sitting down and I was going over it, and I was just trying to put it together, and it, nothing was really clicking. So I decided to get on the internet, look around a little bit. And so, in the interest of, of full disclosure, I ran across this, this article from Crosswalk, and I began to read it. And it encompassed everything that I had been thinking about. And so I'm going to share this with you uh, this evening, and it is a reminder from God's Word. It's eight reminders from God's Word of the power of praise. And there's power in praise. It's not something we just come to. Yes, yes, I love the collective worship. Yes, I leave here refreshed in my spirit. But when you get into a lifestyle of praise, there's power in it. And I want to give you a couple examples of, of what, what, what the power of praise can do. First, Praise gets our focus off ourselves and back on God. How many of you would agree that we live in a very self-centered culture right now? It is very selfish, very self-centered. You don't, I'm, on, I'm on the social media. I must admit, most of the time, I hate it. But I think there's some good about it. So Tammy's our social media guru. She does enough for both of us. But um, um, you don't have to do much but go on social media and see the self-centeredness. Listen, I'm not going to say that I'm talking to a little bit older crowd here, so there's nothing wrong with a selfie. I'm sure some of you probably have taken selfies. I know Tammy's taken selfies. I've never taken a selfie. I, the idea of me picking up my phone and going and putting it out there to see just does not sit well with me. I, that, that, I'm like, there is no way I can do that. Uh, and, you know, the young people, when you see them do it, they always got to, the girls, they got to throw their hands on you know, 
I'm like, no, I, I just can't do that. Uh, and I say that just to say it just speaks to the, to the culture about it's about me. Life is about me. And that's where we are as a culture now. It's, it's about us. But when we come to worship God, when we have a relationship, when we come, it takes that focus off of us and puts it where it really belongs, on him. It puts us directly on him. We come in and too many times we're focused on our problems, and we've got them. We're focused on our jobs. We're focused on our desires. We're focused on all, everything but God. But whether it's here as collective or whether it's in your private place of worship, and I hope you have one, because quite frankly, and, I, and I'm talking to people here that I know know this, but if Sunday morning for 20 minutes is all the praise you're getting, you're not getting enough to deal with the issues that you'll have to deal with, both in the flesh and spiritually, for sure. You just won't. You've got to find a way of personal, uh, personal praise before the Lord. And you've got it because that, not just on Sunday morning, and then throughout that week you get your focus off yourself, off your problems, off the things, and on Him where it belongs. Most of the scriptures that I'll share with you tonight come out of the book of Psalms. Psalms is the book of praise. They were written by David. Many times when these things were written, they were written by King David, and they were written when he was in a trial of life. He would write songs of praise. Psalms 150 and 2 says, Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. You praise him for who he is and what he's done. Psalm 35 and 28 says, And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. So praise takes the focus off us, and it gets it back on God. Number two, praise brings us to a place of humility. We remember our dependency on God as we acknowledge our need for Him. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is found, is, uh, is found in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's the story of King David. Now, David, David was no wimp. David was a warrior. David was a man of battle, and he rose to be a king. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, what has happened is the Ark of the Covenant, which represent, that represented God's presence. It had been in captivity for almost 70 years. And, they, and David and his, and his warriors had seized that covenant, and they were bringing it back to Jerusalem where it belonged. David gets it back into Jerusalem, and that's where the sports story uh, picks up in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, particularly around verse 14. And the Bible says when that thing got into Jerusalem, that David danced before the Lord with all his might. That's what it says. It even said that he was spinning around and whirling around in his kingly ephod. But he was being watched. He was being watched by his wife. Her name was Michael. Now, she was also Saul's daughter. So she's up there and she's watching her husband. Who's the king? And she comes down and she starts to talk to David about what she's seen. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. Because I want to read it. She comes down to him, and this is what she says to him. It says, Then David returned to bless his household. So he's been dancing before the Lord. He's... You know, he's praising is what he's doing because the presence of the Lord is back in Jerusalem where it belongs. It says, And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David, but this was also David's wife. 
and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of the servants and of those base fellows, shamelessly uncovers himself. So apparently in all the dancing, he must have taken his outer ephod or king or priestly robe or king's robe off. He's dancing around. And basically in our terms today, his wife comes out and says, you made a fool of yourself. That's what you just did. Here you are, you're a king, and you made an absolute fool of yourself. You're acting like the commoners out here. That's what he said. And people today, when we get into worship and we decide to humble ourselves, the first thing, if you're not careful, when you feel God's presence and you want to just worship, maybe you want to run. I don't know what God's moving. The first thing, if you're not careful, you'll think, who's watching? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm crazy? What do they think I'm going to eat? If I raise my hands, if I decide to really begin to praise the Lord, not, not piously, not because you're trying to impress someone. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens too. I'm talking because you feel the presence of God and it begins to move you. If you're not careful, the first thing that will happen is the devil will start to say, people are watching you and you're going to look like a fool. And that's what Michael said to David. You look like a fool. Let me tell you what, the da- what, what David said. This warrior, this tough guy, this is what he said to his wife. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel. Therefore, I will play music to the Lord. So he said to his wife, Listen, I don't, I'm not, I don't care what you This is before the Lord that I was doing this. And that's the same for us today. It's not... You're not doing that for someone else. You're doing it before the Lord. And this is, this is what I really like. He said, you know what? I will be even more undignified than this and will, humble, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. You know what basically David was saying? She said, you look like a fool. You've made a fool out of yourself. He said, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he said. I'll be more undignified than this. I'll dance even more than that. I don't care what you think, because it was before the Lord that I did this. You've got to humble yourself. You can't worry about what people think about you. And once again, it's with the right spirit, but when God begins to move on you and you feel a real passion to worship Him, don't worry about it. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise, for the Lord is... A great God and a great King above all gods. Psalm 95, 2 through 3. So it takes the focus off us, puts it back on God. It brings us to a place of humility. Praise makes the enemy flee. Now this was one of the stories that I had, when I had first started thinking about praise, it, it revolved around this story. This is the story of King of Judah. Now this time... Israel was a nation it had been split in two. The top half was Israel, the bottom half was Judah. Each one had their own kings. There was a king of Judah at one time, his name was Jehoshaphat. He was a good king. He did some kind of boneheaded things. You know, the, the interesting thing I was sharing with Pastor recently about studying God's Word is you realize that we sometimes think we have to be perfect and get everything right, but when you look at the people that God used, most of the time they did some boneheaded things. They did. They did some crazy stuff. But, but God was with them, and they repent, and they would move on. He would still use them in, in spite of themselves. And Jehoshaphat was like that. But Jehoshaphat, th- this story is found in Second Chronicles 20. In, in chapter, his story is told in chapters 18 through 20. If you've never read the story of Jehoshaphat, I would encourage you to read it. 
But, but Jehoshaphat had, had um, the, the people had come to him and said, Jehoshaphat, the Ammonites and, 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 some of our, and Moabites, some of our enemies, they're coming against us. And they're a large army. And there's no way we can win. And, and that's, that's what the Bible says. And he, you know, he says he got afraid, he, which I probably would too if they said, look, you've got this large army coming against you. You can't win. He got afraid. So he calls for a fast. And then also there is someone who hears from the Lord. He hears from a, a prophet. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to praise. When the army comes, I want you to praise. And this is what happens. So the army begins to come up onto the nation of Judah. And 2 Chronicles 20, 22 says this. As they begin to sing, this is, this is the nation of Judah. They just begin to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who was invading Judah, and they were defeated. When they begin to stand out there and, and, and praise, the enemies were defeated. I don't know what enemies you're facing. I don't know if it's an enemy of discouragement. I don't, I don't know if it's an enemy of spiritual discouragement. I, I shared with, I don't, I don't want to share with Brother Matt recently. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. The last six, eight weeks for me have been very trying spiritually. But if you've been in this thing long enough, and I have been, you know there's times. You know there's seasons of that. That if you, but if you can't stay there, you, and you know what you have to do? You have to worship anyway. You have to praise anyway. We just sang, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You have to bring a sacrifice of praise. I don't, I don't praise or do many of the things that I do because I feel like it. I do it because he's worthy of it. And when I begin to do that, some of the discouragement, some of the things I'm worried about, some of the things that are in my mind, they go away. And just, just as surely as the Spirit of God confused enemies of Jehoshaphat and defeated his enemies, he's still capable of, of defeating our enemies today. And most of our enemies today are spiritual. They're spiritual battles for us today. And there's power in praise to overcome your enemy. Four, praise leaves no room for complaining and negativity. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to be around people who are negative. That's a, that is a contagious spirit. You probably know some people like that. Maybe there's some people in your workplace you're like, i got to avoid that person because that's Eeyore, you know, Eeyore. <laughs> or that's negative Nelly, and you just, you just don't want to be around. But when you get into a spirit of praise, there's no room for that. There's no room for complaining. There's no room for negativity. Psalm 103, 2 through 4 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's four of them that the, that the psalmist speaks about. Who forgives all your iniquities. And I don't, think it was first on, I don't think it was first by accident. The one thing we cannot do for ourselves, if, they, if God doesn't do another thing for me, he's, he's made a way of salvation for me. He has forgiven my iniquity. That benefit alone is worth me praising him. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. It leaves no room for complaining. And negativity. Number five, praise makes room room for God's blessings over our lives. Enter His gates with thanksgiving in His in His court. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. When we begin to praise, when we begin to get into His presence, that makes room for Him to, to bless us. And to bless us in our lives. 
Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We talked about the sacrifice of praise. There will be times that you don't feel like praising. But that is when you make that sacrifice, you give that sacrifice of praise. Praise invites his presence. When, when, when Brother Matt and the praise team come up and they start to praise and people come forward or whether people worship where they are, that's not for his benefit. That's not necessarily for our benefit. You know, there was a big controversy not long ago surrounding, um, I think her name, Victoria, I think, Osteen, Joel Osteen's wife. And I don't get into all that stuff. I think, I think sometimes people are just too critical of each other. But apparently she had said that, you know, worship was about you, about what you could get out of it. No, it's, and I don't know if that was said or not. I just heard that controversy. It's never about that. Worship is about him. And when Brother Matt and this team is up here and we're out there, we're doing one thing. We're inviting his presence. That, that's what it's about. It's about inviting his presence. It's about singing and worshiping because the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. When we begin to come together collectively in worship, or whether you do that in your own private closet, what you've done is you've decided to invite his presence in there with you. It's very special to do it with a group, with the, with the instruments. But it's also very and Now, I do, when I do mine, most of the time I have a praise and worship set on my phone. I like to have music uh, a worship set when I, if, if it's a, a, a praise time for just myself. It helps me get into the the spirit and the attitude of worship. And if you don't have one, you know, there's plenty of ways to do that, to get your own uh, worship set. But it's what it's about. It's about inviting his presence. It's not about what I'm going to get out of this or that there's performers up here or any of that. Any of that. We want God to begin to move. He inhabits the praises of the people, Psalm 22 and 3. Number seven, our spirits are refreshed and renewed in his presence. We're strengthened by his peace and refueled by his joy. Through a heart of praise, we realize that God doesn't change our situations and work through our problems. He changes our hearts. There'll be many, many times that you'll bring that sacrifice of praise. You'll be looking for a miracle, and we'll talk about a miracle that actually happened when someone was praising next. But it may not happen. It may not happen. You may, not, you may pray and you may not get a healing. You may not get a job. You may not get a... But in His presence, under, when you're praising Him, it begins to change your heart. It begins to change the way you look at your circumstances when that peace begins to move through you because His presence is there. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalm 1611. Notice it says there's fullness of joy, not happiness. That's very different. Joy is a is a deep emotion, regardless of circumstances. There's a lot of things that make us happy. But happiness is a fleeting emotion. It's here one minute, gone the next. Joy is that thing that's deep down inside of you that your circumstances don't change. We have a good friend. Well, I won't say a good friend. He's a friend. And he's 53, 54. He might be 55. His name is Marty Horn. I've, I've put a uh, prayer request in for him if you've been in the prayer room and seen it. Very active guy, attorney here in Durham. We've known him for some time. He was taking a surfing lesson in Carolina Beach uh, right before Memorial Day weekend. Fell off the surfboard, hit his head on the bottom, and broke his neck and is paralyzed from the neck down. 
couldn't even speak for, for many weeks. They had him on a ventilator, couldn't breathe on his own. Tammy happened to be down there. She had a chance to go see the family. I was, I was out of town. <clears throat> but when we went back the next time, we had a chance to go and spend some time with him. He's, he's from a Catholic background. And, um, yeah, I, well, I know the priest had supposedly been in there to, to do some last rite stuff or something in case he didn't make it. But I just wanted to go in and talk with him. He's a friend of mine. I wanted to share the gospel with him. More than that, I want to go pray with him. Because I think God can heal him. And I don't do that just as a, a, an act. I just I go in and I just I'm going to trust God's sovereignty first, but I also know that God can heal. I know that. And so, but there was a part of me that was, I must admit, that was deep down inside of me. I dreaded going in and seeing Marty like that. Because I was afraid two things. I'm going to see myself. And when I say I'm going to see myself, I know when I see Marty in that condition, I'm going to say, God, what if that were me? What if that were me? What if I were laid there and I couldn't, and, he, and that's what was so hard about it. He could, he could track with his eyes, but he couldn't speak. He was on a ventilator and he couldn't move nothing. And I, I because I asked myself in those times, I said, God, if that were me, would I still have the same attitude towards you that I have now? Would I be up here able to talk about praising you or worshiping you and trusting you? Would I? I hope so. But when you see something like that and you begin to ask those hard questions, it makes you think, where, what's, where are you really at? And the whole time I was walking down to his room, that was just, man, that was him. And then when I came out, I still, and today I ask myself those questions. And I'm sure there's a cycle, there's an anger cycle, there's a lot of cycles, but I think when we have that intimate relationship with the Lord, it always comes back to him. And I hope that it would for me as well in a situation like that. But that's the difference. That's where joy kicks in. That's where no matter my circumstances, God, how did, I end, how did he end up there? I, what if I end up there? I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds for me. But I have to be prepared to let his presence create joy in my heart, no matter what my circumstances. And I have to, I have to work on that each day. That's why it's so important to be in his presence. So many times in our world today, and you've seen it, People run into the church when there's a crisis of life. Maybe I can get some help in there. And they run in and nothing changes or they have an emotional experience and they run out and there's no, there's no real change. Whereas when we're in his praise and his presence and praising him constantly through all things of life, when the hard times of life have come, we're prepared to deal with those. His spirit is in us. You're prepared to deal with those things. In his presence there is fullness of joy. Because of your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Last, it paves the way for God's power to be displayed, and miracles happen. The other story I had in my mind as I was thinking about this, uh, the power of praise, was a story of Paul and Silas in prison. Story is found in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 26. But leading up to that, Paul and Silas had been in the city. They'd been preaching. They'd been, they had really been shaking things up with the gospel. And the Bible says this little girl had been following them. And she had a spirit. The Bible says she had a spirit of divination. That's, all, that's oftentimes known as a spirit of python. She had a demonic spirit. But she had a spirit in her of demonic. It was a prophecy. 
And, and she had some people that she was doing prophecies for, and they were making money off of it. Well, they were, she was following Paul and Silas around, and she was saying, these are the men of the Most High God, and they bring salvation. But most commentators say she was kind of saying that um, antagonistically, you know, kind of you know, digging at them. These men say they're the men. Of the, so she was speaking truth, but she wasn't speaking it with the heart. Well, Paul got fed up with it. So she'd been following him around saying this, and he said, you know, I've had enough of this. So he turned around, puts his hands on and says, come out of this woman, this girl, she comes out. Well, guess what? That makes the people who are making money off of it angry, as you might imagine. So what do they do? They take them, they beat them, they put them in prison. And what do they do? Now, I, 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 here again, I read this story and I thought, God, is this what I would do? If somebody had just snatched me up, put me over thing, beat me with a whip, and put me in prison in shackles, is that the moment that I would start praising and singing? Well, that's what they did. I can tell you what that's what they did. They started singing praises to the Lord. And the Bible said that suddenly an earthquake happened. And the doors flung open and the shackles fell off. And Paul and Silas and some other prisoners come walking out. Well, when that happened, the jailer saw it. And he, in those times, as a jailer, if your prisoners escaped, off with your head. You were going to be killed. And he knew this. So he takes a sword and he's going to kill himself. Paul goes up to him and says, oh, no, 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 don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt yourself. He said, we're still here. And they tell him about the Lord. And they begin to tell him about salvation. And they tell him, look, if you'll accept Christ, you and your whole household can be saved. And the jailer takes them in and, and, and tends to their wounds. And they minister to the family and the whole family to get saved. And that all starts because they chose to praise. They didn't choose to do like I would do and say, yeah. You let me get half a chance to get out of here, I'm going to get even about this. You ain't going to take me. Do what I, they, they, they chose to praise in the worst of circumstances. Three things happened, folks, as a result of that. There was three things that happened as a result of them being obedient and, and praising the Lord in the worst of circumstances. One, it moved God. Praise moves God. When you get into his presence, it moves God. Number two, miracles. I, I don't think there's any more atmosphere for miracles to happen than when their people begin to praise him with a heart of worship. That can happen in your personal prayer closet. It can happen right here, collective. I, that's where I really like it. That's where I, I guess I probably sense this presence of the Lord more during our corporate worship than I do any time. That's why I enjoy the nights of worship so much that, that Brother Matt and the team do periodically. It's two hours of worship. And, and, and you just feel God's presence in it. And you know that the atmosphere is charged enough for healing, for deliverance. He's here, and people are worshiping him. And if you've never been to one, next time he does one, I hope you'll come. I hope you'll come. So it moves God. Their miracles happened. But this was the most important result of that. And I think it's still the result that God wants most of all. People were saved. People were saved. Yes, the, the, the jail shook. Yes, the prison doors came open. Yes, the shackles fell off. All those things happened. But more importantly than that, the jailer was saved and his whole household was saved. That's always the heart of God, is that through that, through praise, through ever what it is, that people will come to know who he, who he is. So there is power in praise. It's a lifestyle. It's not something we do in 20 minutes on on Sunday, 
So I would encourage you to slow, slow down. Life is, life's busy, isn't it? I mean, there's just, I, I found that, yeah, my life is not as busy. I'll continue, it's not as busy it was when I was working, but it's still busy. And I have found that I can, if I'm not careful, I can go through a whole day and not have those encounters I talked about earlier where I stopped and just, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. That I haven't gone through the day and stopped for a minute and been still and knew that he was God. We have a choice every day in this life to live absorbed in worry and stress, on the fast track of busy, focused only on what surrounds us, tuned into the roar of the world, or we can ask God to help us take our eyes off all that may be swirling around us, our problems and mess, or the voices of others. And we can look up to him, the one who holds it all together and who holds us in his hands. The power of praise. The power of living in an attitude and spirit of praise. It takes our focus off us and puts it back on God. It brings us to a place of humility. It makes the enemy flee. It leaves no room for complaining or negativity. It makes room for God's blessings over our lives. It invites his presence. Our spirits are refreshed and renewed in his presence. It paves the way for God's power to be displayed and for miracles to happen. But sometimes that takes a sacrifice. You won't often do it. when you. Many times you won't feel like it. There's been many times here in the last, I will confess to you, in the last six weeks I haven't really felt like, felt like praising. I, I love it when I feel like it. But I don't do it because I feel like it. I do it because he's worthy of it. Mark, have you got the video? Couldn't find it. Okay. Well, we're going we're gonna to end now. We're going to... Um, Spend a little time in prayer. I had a video I wanted to play. I thought it had gotten loaded up, but it hadn't, but that's okay. So I'm going to ask Mark if he'll start the music, and we will come forward, and let's spend some time before the Lord in prayer. And this week, for the rest of this week, take, take a few minutes when you're out and about, and just stop for a minute and spend some time, some personal time in his presence, and begin to praise him for who he is.